Good Vibes Cinema presents Vibe Talking. Hey guys, welcome back to Vibe Talking, a podcast about films with off the charts vibes, films from the golden age of adult cinema. I'm Vic Terry, executive producer of Good Vibes Cinema and host of this fabulous program here, and I am joined by my friend former neighbor i can't even say it anymore i moved <laughs> and co-star maybe that's right unfortunately today we're not talking about a film with off the charts fives <laughs> although it is a film from the golden age of adult cinema because we're talking about deep throat part two boo this movie sucks and not in a spicy, empowering way. Not even in like a funny and interesting sort of way. This is just a movie that it harkens back to what we used to talk about on my old podcast, Sequelitis. Here is a movie that is cashing in on the value of the name that the original created. And now you're sitting down to watch it and just having this thought of like, who is this movie for? Because obviously it's not for me. As a fan of the original movie, this is not a movie that is made for me. This feels like it's a movie made to exploit my interest in the original movie. Okay, um, that, I love that you brought up sequelitis, because that's how this podcast came about. Literally, actually, Deep Throat 2, as bad of a movie as it is, we gotta give it some props, because it did start this podcast. We started doing this because I was like... You know, knew that you had the podcast, knew about sequelitis, and I was like, hey, we should do a sequelitis about Deep Throat 2. Yeah, like- a special adult rated episode of Deep Throat uh, for sequelitis. But once we sat down and watched, because we watched both the movies back to back, and I was like, no, this has to be its own thing. Yeah. Because it just, Deep Throat 1 was that good and that special. And then Deep Throat 2 was like, just bad in this sort of like humiliating sort of way yeah this is actually the first time i've actually really watched deep throat too i feel like every other time i've watched it i've been a little hooty or (laughs) i've been falling asleep because i can't watch movies at night um this was the first time i actually fully watched the movie and it was way worse than I like I knew it was bad going oh, into yeah. it it was way worse than I remembered it being look I'm gonna be straightforward with everybody if you have to watch this movie totally sober you have to pay attention to it you have to understand like what's going on it's punishment man it really like, is I couldn't even watch it in one sitting I watched it a little bit this morning and I couldn't even sit down and watch it this morning. I like would watch it for 20 minutes and then I would like go do something else. And then like, you come back and you're like, Oh shit, it's still on. It's still on. And then I watched it on the way to work and then I watched it after work. And I'm like, I feel like I've watched three different movies. Like, why is this taking so long? Why I wasn't looking forward to watching it. I was supposed to watch it last night and I was like, or I could just go to sleep. Like I just didn't. Like, I've had the same thing for like the last like several days. I've been like, I'll just I'll sit down, I'll watch it, I'll knock it out, I'll take some notes. It's and then so I just keep long. putting it off. It's so fucking long. Yeah. It's a 90 minute movie with no sex scenes. It doesn't like that's the bizarre thing about it. So the movie is not directed by Gerard Demiano. 
And That's the issue. We have a mostly love but somewhat hate relationship with Damiano. I love Damiano. He's like honestly my hero. Yeah. He's the reason I'm having kids. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. It's I, a very strong endorsement. <laughs> I yeah. always was like, yeah, I feel like that's not for me. And then like watching things of him talking about his family. And like, I listened to an interview with his son, like talking about like growing up on film sets and like being tight with his dad. And I'm like, wow, I can do, I can do it all. Like, <laughs> so I love Damiano, but also I love his work. And I also think he's a very inspiring person. Just wanted to do this shit, volunteered on a bunch of films, taught himself how to do everything. And then like, just kept going. Like, I, I think that dude's a fucking badass. I well, really it's like also him. cool because his origins for wanting to make Deep Throat was not the sort of thing that, you know, people that aren't familiar with this genre would assume and it was he was a hairdresser he overheard a lot of conversations where women were talking about you know how bad their sex lives were and he's and he thought what if i made a movie that kind of spoke to what these women actually wanted and like what what deep throat is about is about a woman's journey of you know sexual discovery finding what it is that pleasures her so there's a feminine aspect and there's a feminine angle to the movie that most people who are unfamiliar with porn wouldn't get because you hear Deep Throat and just that phrase is so eponymous now. You're just like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a woman, you know, giving sexual gratification to a man regardless of how it might be pleasurable for her. But if you go back and listen to our original episode about it, there is a personal connection for you about how there was a validation in watching this movie to where you're just like, no, oral sex is real sex. And it is mutually pleasurable. And that's essentially what Deep Throat is about. Deep Throat 2 is not about any of that shit. It's not about anything, really. I don't think that movie has anything to say. I don't think it has any sort of specific perspective. There's no character development or even just character like... Linda Lovelace is just not the best actor and just it's a little dry, yeah. you know. I was like the only solid Harry actor Reams. in the entire movie is Harry Reams. And even to he, his performance is heightened to a point of it's extremely cartoonish. Dude, it's honestly bad. And like, I don't blame him because like, we know what he's capable of. We know he's a legitimately good actor. We know he's a good comedian. Like he's, he's got all of this shit going on. I definitely think it was a direction thing. I definitely think it was like, no, be funnier, be bigger, be louder, be goofier, do this, do that, you know. And be like, like Looney okay, Tunes. Okay, okay. Be That's like what, Bugs Bunny. You know be he, like Daffy Duck. Exactly. Yeah. He literally felt to me like a dog, like a cartoon dog. Like he's jumping around. He's and so he's like horny so for excited most of the movie. And like, He's so horny for like at least half the movie. It's honestly embarrassing, and it's no shade to Harry Reeves, but like. They like he is a very attractive man and he's a very talented man and like he's fucking hot like straight yeah. up in deep throat he's funny and hot you and know And I said he was like you know sexually charismatic Jim Carrey that's the best way to describe I love that description yeah. I think they made him not sexy in this movie Yeah and I'm like what the fuck like how did that even happen like 
Like, basically, like, they make every male character in this movie unsexy, with the exception of Paul Wacker, who's just basically, you know, Is that like, the guy at the end that she hooks up with? I could not keep track of any of these dude, fucking characters. Dude, it's... God. Like, we're, we're gonna we're gonna try our best to, you know, just give a synopsis of this film. But, yeah, it's... he He's basically, like, if there was a butch version of Paul Rubens. Wait, I don't know who that is, either. Pee <laughs> Wee Herman. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Not hot. <laughs> my theory is, is that Deep Throat 2 was an attempt to kind of satirize the Watergate scandal. Okay. Um, because there's a new series that came out on HBO um, just like a month or two ago called White House Plumbers. It's fantastic. It stars Woody Harrelson. Oh, I like him. And then also Justin Thoreau. Um, Justin Thoreau on it is fantastic. I've never really been a huge Justin Thoreau Wait, fan. Who is that? What is he from? Uh, he was in the. It's not called the Disposables, um, but it's the HBO series about like a bunch of people get Thanos snapped out of existence. They just suddenly like get raptured or whatever. And it was like this kind of like long winded series that went on for like four seasons or something. It's about just a bunch of people disappearing out of existence and then how it affects everybody else that's left behind. It's a really depressing show. Okay. It's like one of those shows where it's like, it's really good, but it's going to fucking bum you the fuck out watching it. Um, a little bit like Deep Throat 2, <laughs> you know, except there's no good part of it. It's just really bad, and it's going to bum you out trying to watch it because you're just like, man, Deep Throat 1 was so much better than this. So anyway, White House Plumbers, it's it's about the underlings. Um, Justin Thoreau plays uh, G. Gordon Liddy. And so it's very heightened comedically. But it's about the misadventures of the guys who eventually go on to commit the uh, Watergate scandal. And the Watergate scandal like started off with someone who was leaking documents about Vietnam to the American public. Because they were alarmed about what was going on. What our soldiers were doing there. Like how things were going terribly. And then they ended up trying to like break into the office of the psychologist who was seeing the patient, Ellsberg, who leaked the documents. If you know about that, then when you start watching Deep Throat 2, you're like, there seems to be a lot of like parallels, which is such a weird starting point for what's supposed Wait. to be an erotic adult film. Hey, I actually kind of like that. I, you know what? To be honest, I thought the premise of this movie was kind of good. I like the concept. I okay. don't like how it was executed I'm going to need you to elaborate on what you liked about that. Okay. Well, first, maybe let's just tell everybody what it's about. Just briefly, synopsis of the film. So Please do, because I have no fucking idea what it's supposed I'm to be about. I'm also kind of... <laughs> Perhaps taking some artistic liberties because it was really hard to follow. You're going to fill in a lot of really, gaps. really, really hard to follow. Okay. So basically, Deep Throat 1, best movie ever. Everybody needs to watch it. Everybody needs to listen to us talk about it because I listened to us talk about it to prep myself for this. And I was like, damn, this is actually a really good episode. Like, yeah. It holds up. Season 1, episode 1, like... Y'all need to see it. I wish I'd made some changes to like how the sound quality is. Hopefully, I really though, like don't people think it listening to it. Bad, but I yeah. listen to shit on my phone, so I don't know about if you have a fancy stereo or whatever. But no, I was listening to it on my phone as well, and honestly, it doesn't sound bad on my phone. Like I just, I'm, you know, a little, a little, oh, um, it to admit some shit like I'm kind of a perfectionist. I like things to be a certain way, and then like when they don't come out that way, I'm just like fuck. 
But also, I don't want to spend like thousands of dollars upgrading my shit, yeah. you know, just for the dozens of listeners that we have, <sighs> you know. But Good Vibe Cinema has a Patreon. If you guys want to contribute to that, we, I'll we don't definitely have a use that. Should we get one? Oh, I thought we did have a Patreon. I have a Venmo. Oh, there's a Venmo. Okay. Venmo, yes. (laughs) (laughs) VibeTalking at gmail.com. GoodVibeCinema at gmail.com. You can hit us up if you want to say like, hey, if you guys get a Patreon, I'll definitely contribute. And then we'll definitely set that shit up. Yes. Anyway, back to Deep Throat 2. Okay. What is it about? Okay, hold on. Let me tell what Deep Throat 1 is about. Just like super, super fast. Otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense at all. Okay. Deep Throat 1, story of... Linda Lovelace. She's not digging sex. She's like, what's the deal with that? How am I going to get in touch with my own body and my own needs? She goes to Dr. Young, which is Harry Reams. And he is a, what did they call him in the film? Like he's a psychiatrist, but he's also like a sex therapist, but he's, he's also a psycho gynecological like a physi- physiotherapist, like... I think is what they ended up calling her. So he's a doctor <laughs> of some sort, uh, perhaps a multidisciplinary sort of situation. He finds her clitoris in her throat. She goes down on him. She has the first orgasm of her life. Her world is absolutely rocked. And, she's and the like, way that it display how she's having an orgasm, because they visually like it's so tell you what's going on. Yeah, it's it's awesome. God, I'm it's just great. I'm just remembering how much I love Deep Throat right now. Like this that movie changed my fucking life. Again, listen to episode one on the podcast. Okay. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Linda is shook. She's like, How can I repay you? Also, I want to just be around you all the time because you're fucking awesome, you know? And she ends up becoming a nurse, working for him and helping other people figure out their sexual hangups. So she starts going Via, to all these you know, getting them off. Yeah. She yeah. goes to all these different dudes and they all have some kind of eccentric interest and then they play out the fantasy and then it's like, dang, thank you. Like, that was such a healing experience. And then the end of the movie, she shacks up with some guy, one of her patients, the two of them are like, dang, we're both like into weird shit. Like, we should definitely collab here. Um, and that's the end <laughs> of the movie. So Linda, it's where we pick up in the sequel is that Linda is still working, I would say now at this point, with no longer four. Dr. Young? They seem like business partners. Well, and I want to say real quickly, in the first movie, I don't think they say it outright, but just through a lot of, you know, location shots, very clearly they're in Southern Florida. This movie, like, I thought they were in fucking Cleveland. They shot it in New York City, but they found, like, the most, like, drab, kind of, like, depressing locations in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's an unexplained change. Because in, in Deep Throat, you know, they make it pretty clear that they're in a more kind of, like, subtrophic sort of... Like, it's a warm weather location. Mm-hmm. This movie, like, there are multiple scenes of people, like... In big coats. In big coats. Mittens. There's snow. You can see their fucking breath. So I don't know how intentional it was to show that it was cold where they were, but that's definitely a part of, like, visually of the plot. Like, it's a very, like, sort of, like, Fargo. The setting is, like, yeah, a character sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I was totally And it's so, that. like, the first time I watched it, I was just like, this is so fucking weird. If you watch the two yeah. movies back to back, you're like, these are so different that it's throwing me off. I feel like a lot of time has gone by in terms of, like, the story. Like, between the first and the second one. Like, I feel like, even though these movies were only made, what, like, a year and a half apart? 
Like Basically, they were, yeah. They were kind of immediately were like, all right, we got to do something with this. You know, Deep Throat's a success. Let's do oh, this. Oh, so um, Deep Throat 2 was set in the somewhat near future. That's what you're saying? I think so. I mean, they didn't say that, but like <laughs> to me, <laughs> Which, it felt like given, that. Given that they just had the 51st anniversary for Deep Throat 1 is definitely like well in our past. But yeah, like thinking about it from the perspective of when they made it. That it that they were like this is actually like five years in the future. I kind of thought so because like it definitely feels like the the business has majorly expanded. They're in a new office. They have like more staff. Linda's not even like, having to go out and make like house calls. Like they've got like a whole fleet of girls who go out and like you know jerk off dudes. Yeah, you know? Linda feels like the boss to me, or yeah. at least like they're on the same playing field here. And Carol Connors is out of the mix. Good. Don't like her vibe. Don't like her <laughs> acting. She got fired. But also <laughs> Helen is gone too. Yeah. Dolly Sharp, not in the movie. Dang. It's a real loss. I know. She was great. She just disappeared after the movie. She yeah. was like, this shit got way too famous. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> that's the whole thing. We're gonna have to get into like the craziness behind the movie too, you know? But like yeah. nobody thought this show was Stick gonna be. Stick around for that. Was. Yeah, that's gonna be even better. Yeah. Um so I think some time's gone by, business has gotten really serious. She's continuing with that same kind of process of like, what's your fantasy? Let's play this out and like get in touch with like, you know, what exactly, like, where is that coming from? Which I love that, honestly. Like, that is something that has always fascinated me and why I like this genre so much is because I think there's so much to say about a person, so much to say about a character, so much to say about a dynamic in terms of like, how do they behave in these intimate situations and like what appeals to them, you know? And it's like, why? Like there's so many interesting power dynamics, power in the scene, one of our favorite sort of conversations. Power in you the know? scene. Power I haven't scene. talked about power in the scene in a minute. No. We haven't. But we're bringing it back to the origins. So yeah. of course it's going to come back up. But yeah, like I think, I think that's where you could have like really had a fantastic film is if you just, you know, played with the idea of like, okay, Dr. Young realized he was onto something when he hired Linda on. And he's just like, here's what my practice is. I am going to help people by giving them a safe environment to explore their own sexual fantasies. If that's what this fucking movie was about. And I think like if that existed in our lives right now, if you could go to a psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> if you could basically go into a doctor's office and it's like sex world and they're just like, yeah, like. You know, what's your fantasy? Like, fill out this little questionnaire. We'll set everything up for you. Explore that fantasy in a safe setting. And then we'll talk about it after you've busted a nut. Like, that that could be life-changing for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, that could have been game-changing for this movie. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist in real life. doesn't even exist Barely in this fucking in this movie. movie. Yeah. Um, There's hints of it, but that's not what the plot's about. Yeah. Um, what ends up happening is... And I confused about how this was revealed but one of the patients is uh working for the government on some kind of secret project called oscar which is like the fucking robot from star virgin and it's it, like the shitty unsexy version of the robot from star virgin yeah i had the exact same thought i was just like what if you like took all of the fun and sexiness out of Star Virgin and you would basically have Deep Throat too? So I can I can help fill you in a little bit because the way that the movie explains this to you is 
so piss poor that it's frustrating. They start off and they show Linda waking up in the morning. Oh, the and it's best. one of the brief. It's so good. I love the intro. Yeah. The song, Got to Have It, is like my favorite fucking song. I listen to this when I'm getting ready all the time. <laughs> should I, I should it. I use that song for our intro yes, music? Yes, you should. It's okay. so, so good. Well, listeners know that I've already used it for the intro music. And they if I heard didn't use it, it for they the were intro like, music, that song was awesome. I'm going to cut this out. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, it shows Linda getting up, and so it, it gives you an impression that you're like, all right, here we go, we're going to mm-hmm. get something fresh, mm-hmm. and then it just fucking yanks the rug out of you, because then it cuts to, like, I guess they're supposed to be Russian um, Russian spies, but, uh, well, first of all, Linda's getting followed around by some other people. You have no idea who fucking anybody is. And then you have some Russian spies that get introduced. You don't really know what they're doing. You're just supposed to infer that because they're Russians and because this is still within the, the, the Cold War, um, you know, they're up to bad shit. And then it cuts to American, like, intelligence agents, and they're talking about Oscar, but you have no idea who they are. You don't know if they're supposed to be good guys or if they're neutral or if they're actually bad guys um, and then they cut to like they're they're talking and they show this fucking supercomputer Oscar and it's the dumbest looking shit. Yeah, because it's like so it's like one of those like mid seventies supercomputers that has like a human. It looks like it's from a fucking kids show. Yeah, it looks so dumb. You have no idea like who the people are that are talking, and then it cuts back to Doctor Young's office. What was the deal with the guy that was coming to the appointment that was meeting with Linda? That's that's that I think all about Oscar. Like, I think he's supposed there? to be the Ellsberg character, you know, the real life like Ellsberg, um, you know, from the early stages of the Watergate scandal. But it just it never makes any fucking sense because I thought like okay he's some kind of because there's this whole like subplot about. Uh, the guy who programs Oscar has like some sort of like intimate relationship with the AI because isn't there a shot where he goes up to it and it starts speaking to him and he's like, hey, you can't talk to me when anybody else is around, okay? Or otherwise they're going to take you away from me. And then it shows the two uh, intelligence agents guys later talking and they're like, we need to f- we need to get like schematics or whatever on this. And then they're like, well, the schematics aren't going to do you any good because he reprogrammed everything, and you're going to need him to like like chart out like what circuits he used to do what things. Okay, so it's so fucking confusing, confusing for a movie that's supposed to give you boners. But you know what else is kind of interesting is like what the deal is with Oscar. So correct me if I'm wrong, but like. It's like a mind reading computer. Yeah, that's but, the other thing. Okay, but that's what they all explain. it does is like read your mind about like what is your fantasy, right? So now they're gonna use people's embarrassing <laughs> fantasies as blackmail against them. And that was why this guy was like in therapy because he was freaking out because his fantasy is like about fucking his aunt. Yes, there's an incest plot to this. It's so. Oh God. Okay, so that's it's so nonsensical. Like, Linda's like, okay, let's try to figure this it's out. It's overly you know? complicated for what it is. So they have this whole sequence where it's like Linda is gonna bang him, but like she's playing the role of the aunt or whatever. And so, well, then, even like, the setup to that is 
you know, somehow they figure out that he's got an attraction to his aunt. And then she goes to his aunt's home, which apparently she lives in a different city because they talk about having to fly back and forth. And she goes to... She's really she goes committed to, to the case. Dude, She's she goes to the aunt's seriously. place. She gives the aunt a gift of, like, lace panties. Black lace panties. They, they make it a point so to match. say... They yes. the same underwear. And then, like, the aunt... They know that the aunt is then going to tell... Um, his name's Dilbert Lamb. Uh, his aunt's name is Julia. That Aunt Julia is going to tell Dilbert about how some strange woman showed up and gave her these like lace panties, and then that's supposed to like set him off like further down his um, illicit like aunt fucking fantasy that he has. Horrible, gross. <laughs> and then they have to do like the ruse doesn't stop there because he comes back for his next appointment in Doctor Young's office, and then they have to get Doctor Young's fiance who works as the receptionist. At the office, they I have also to get her. I hate that Doctor Young has a fiance. I'm just like why? I hate the actress who plays Doctor Young's she fiance. Was she was the worst actress in the Especially movie. Especially because in the first one, there's like a whole thing where Linda's like wants to marry him after the best bang ever, and then he's like, "I could never get married." Well, she, he's like, "Nurse Carol Connors would have a problem with it." Also, I'm too dedicated to my work, and so now that shit got boxed out. And then, yeah, he's like, he's like, I have to get married to someone I work with, and then she's like, "Well, I work with you." And he's like, yeah, but someone other than you that I work with. Yeah! <laughs> Look, you can suck me off anytime you want. You know? like, Even though in this movie, I keep wanting you to suck me off. And then you don't suck me off. Which is why my character's always like dancing around and just being like, oh, oh, I got like a jizz, I got a jizz. Yeah, like it's like a little kid that has to pee, except he's got to bust it's his load. It's not fucking sexy at all. It's, it's not. So it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Bad. I felt really bad for him, but I was also just like, man, I hope he got paid a shitload of money for this. No, and, and you know what happened? You know what happened? He said it was super awkward and like a very uncomfortable, tense environment because the whole thing is run by the fucking mob. And he's like, it did not oh, feel yeah. good on set. Okay, we're going to get into okay. that. Remember that we said that. Stick around. I'm going to say that he did not get paid well. And he was like, I will only do this if my name is on the poster as big as Linda. And then they like spelled his name wrong. <laughs> How the fuck do you spell Harry Reams wrong? I don't know. You're just like Reams, you know, like Ream in a butthole. So poor Harry Reams. I love just, him. I, he had a hard. He hard deserved time. better. He deserved he everybody. Did. Let him he down. Absolutely did. Including this movie. So a guy who works so for the, the government Bruce gets crazy though with the glasses swapping situation. They basically there's like a double wig reveal. Like because they, <laughs> they are like we, well she starts coming on to him and then she comes on to him so hard that he passes out. So they get the aunt to come in. To talk to Dr. Young, she's thinking she's going to bang him and takes off her glasses. And then Linda is, like, talking to the other guy. Oh, you're going to bang me playing the aunt, you know. And then it's like, oh, both of them took off their glasses and both of them walked into the same room. So they're going to bang. And then you're, like, watching it and you're like, uh, what? And then, like, it turned out it was Linda. She, like, took back off the wig again and was like, it was just me playing the role of the aunt. And I bamboozled the audience as well like it was which it's really confusing because in the film they have a younger actress who's supposed to be playing this older aunt i think originally they were just like oh yeah it's like his grandma and then they're just like well it's kind of gross if he wants to bang his grandma and they're like 
But it's not so bad if he wants to bang his aunt, who has, like, gray hair and glasses and looks like a grandma. But has a hot body. Yeah. Because it's actually, like, a fucking 27-year-old woman who's playing someone who's supposed to be 54 or whatever. That's fine. It's a fucking mess. Oh, my God. But now the robot knows that he's a weirdo. And it's a problem. (laughs) He's really worried about it. And the robot's like, hey, man, I get it. I don't judge. Like, whatever. I don't even have... Well, I do have a dick, but, like, you know, I don't have weird hang-ups. You know what, though? Here's where I'm going to say why I like this premise. I think this is a cool premise if they would have done anything interesting with it. The whole point of Deep Throat... And the whole point of what Dr. Young and Linda are trying to do with their practice is like, we're going to find out your fantasy. We're going to help you live that. And like by you being true to yourself and acknowledging that your pleasure is like important and valuable and worth pursuing, like that's going to make you a happier, healthier person. That's their whole thing. Let's figure out your fantasy and let's go there. You know, this robot and like the man is like, let's find out your fantasy and then use that to judge you. Yeah. And hold that against you. Use that to blackmail and and embarrass you and basically get you to not work against the interest of the American government. So I think that's like, kind of cool that those two things are like, you know, <laughs> they're doing the same thing, but with very different motivations. You know? Yeah. I think that's interesting. I think that is a good plot. With uh, Dilbert Lamb, it's just like, okay, let's try and find like a healthy and safe way for you to live out your fantasy of fucking your aunt, your much older aunt. And then like, like I said, there's, there's Russian spies who are also involved. Okay, quick question. And the editing in this movie is so bad because like people just suddenly appear out of nowhere in the next scene, even though they literally showed them in a different location in the immediately prior scene. And they like do this with, um, you know, there's, uh, there's Sonia, super cute. Okay, I thought she was super cute too. I was curious what you would think. I think she's very cute, and I like her haircut. Yeah. What did you think of her haircut? I liked her haircut. Um, It's one of those things to where, like, it was very mod at the time, Mm -hmm. and then now, because because 50 years have passed, all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, yeah, no, that's a cool-looking haircut now. Yeah. But, yeah, like, she was, like, super cute, and she actually was a fairly decent actress. Yeah, I thought she did a good job. I liked her. But it's frustrating because, you know, another thing that we have talked about several times on our episodes is a balance of sex and story. And this is the least balanced out of all the fucking movies that we watch because there's no sex. And, like, when there is a sex scene, they do the thing where they, like, dip down out of frame. They do that, like, three or four times throughout the movie and it's so frustrating and annoying. And it's because the the guy who directed it was uh, Joe Sarno. And he was uh, he was he had pretty much exclusively done softcore movies. And I guess because they were trying to cash in on the deep throat name, they wanted to reach a wider, more mainstream audience. They went for an R rating for this movie. Because of that, like there's barely any nudity and there's no sex scenes at all. It's and when there is bizarre. sex, it's like always implied. Like you don't see anything. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of other people's reaction face watching it, you know? Like, because they end up getting the lab like bugged by both the Russians and the government and the US government. <laughs> and so it's like there's a lot of scenes where it's like the 
group of Russians like sitting there eating popcorn or like, you know, the Americans like sitting there and like, like, oh my like, goodness, you know. To like, like, oh, Nurse Lovelace is very good torturer. Listen to her. When she tortures, it makes her orgasm. And it's just like, no, they're fucking. Like, I know what fucking sounds like. But you don't oh, see it. We you don't just have that in it. Russia. We don't have fucking. Yes. I don't know about yes. that. Um, I also just. In Russia, say, fucking sounds exactly like torture. I also love Russian accents. So I. And I love doing bad Russian accents. Well, so if you I, love bad Russian accents, <laughs> this is the movie for you. I loved it. I was like, this is so hot. Like. <laughs> Well, it's hilarious, too, because early on, the, the last thing the Russians say to each other in their introductory scene is they're just like, also, the Americans are listening when we are at the shanty, so be sure to use your Italian accents. And I was like, wait, these people can barely do Russian accents. Now you're going to make them do Russians doing Italian accents, which it never comes up. And they never up. did. And they never fucking, it was like, why is this line in the movie? Because it was financed by Italians, so they are trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and when you say Italians, you mean mobsters. Yes, that is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, do, do you want to start getting into, like, the the behind-the-scenes stuff? I think stuff? maybe we should. Yeah. I feel like, how the fuck did this movie end, though? I don't Wait, you didn't know. finish watching it. Dude, <laughs> I watched it with you, and I know that I watched it another time after that. And then I when I was watching it this most recent ending. time... I've fallen asleep every time watching dude, it until today. I mean, the first time we watched it, we literally didn't watch it. We just sat there and talked the whole time. Which is way more fun. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, what is this movie? And he was like, don't worry about it. It sucks. Hey, who was the guy? <laughs> who was like the blonde guy that she ended up hooking up with? Oh, Paul Wacker? What's his deal? Who was he like in That's, narratively? Okay. Like, here's, here's the thing that you don't do when you're, when you're writing a story, when you're making a movie. You don't introduce important characters once you're in the latter half of Act 2, and especially not if you're in Act 3. Mm -hmm. Because once you introduce those characters, you have no time to set them up. And if they're important to the story, it's just not going to land. You have to introduce them in Is Act 1. The president? I don't know what the fuck he, he was. Like, he just shows up at some point. Like, yeah, he just shows up at some point. Everyone starts talking about how he's important. And then he goes incognito to Dr. Young... And then when he meets Linda, he removes his, his disguise, which is just a, an obviously fake nose. Like, Dr. Young was, like, ripping on him for I the know, nose. I know, which I think is, he like, like, funny because it's, like, like, yeah, Harry like, Reeves just kind of looks like that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, don't do that to Harry Reeves. No, that, that, it's, that a, big, it's not a That it's big a nose look. looks stupid. No, not on Paul Wacker. No, no. Harry Reeves is attractive and has a good face, you know? Yeah. But, like, he does have, like, a prominent nose. He does have a prominent nose. But, but it's, like, like, part of his look. It looks good. Like, But, yeah, like, when, when he's coming in, Dr. Young is roasting him almost to his face. Because this other guy's with him. And he's like, yeah, he's like, Dr. Young, you got to help this guy out. He's never had sex. And Dr. Young's like, yeah, have you fucking looked at him? Of course. Who's going to fuck that guy Savage. with that fucking nose? And he's like, Dr. Young, it's not that bad. He's got skills. It's just he's... And he's like, what skills? What woman's going to want to hook up with that guy? He's going to poke their eye out with his fucking nose. Like, he's just roasting the dude. 
And then he walks into the office and I thought like they're setting up this whole thing to where like Linda's going to have to find a way to like feel attracted to him despite his nose. And just he walks in and immediately pulls the nose off. And she's just like, oh, oh I thought they said you were fucked up looking. And he's like, no, I'm actually quite hot. And she he goes, oh, I get it. You're gay. He was just quite bland in my yeah. opinion. Not hot, I didn't think. No. Very like plain. Like just picture like Republican butch Paul Rubens. Pee Wee wow. Herman. Like that's that's this guy, Paul Walker. Oh my Paul God. Wacker. Anyway, none of this shit fucking matters. Like what most of it, at the end of the movie. I don't I'm know. Trying to Tell figure me. It out. I'm told that. I'm trying to figure it out. So both governments have bugged the office. Both of them are watching Linda bang somebody so that he will like reveal that he actually did not give up any information about the robot. And we're like, he hadn't talked to anyone about it. <laughs> and then they got in like a chase scene. And the chase scene was kind of funny because like Linda and Paul or whatever are like on roller skates. And then like the Russians are on like a dog sled. Did you see that part? I vaguely remember They're this. trying to like get a car and nobody has a car. But some girl is like promoting like an ice cream place or whatever. So there's like a like an Alaskan bobsled so they're on that and then the Americans are in like a horse-drawn carriage for some reason that they acquired and then someone crashes into like a truck full of horse manure and then somebody crashes and they're into just like, like, a, like a pie cream pie factory <laughs> and they're just pie in the face to everyone and that's like how it ends and everyone just kind of laughs and it's like why are we even fighting guys like I don't know I don't understand why it was resolved God, and then just, Linda goes home to bang that boring American guy. It's so insane to think about just the ideas and concepts that went into making this. And then it's even more insane when you learn about who was behind the movies and how they got financed and made. Okay, so let's get into that. I'm yeah. just going for it. That, I mean, that was the whole movie. I don't know what else to say about it. It's not good. Don't bother watching it. Yeah, like. <laughs> it's not hot. It's not funny. It's not even really entertaining. It's not even it's entertaining not. from the aspect of like a so bad that it's good movie. It's just a so bad that it's boring and bad. It is. I would say if you do what we did and just get drunk and talk through the whole movie and look at everybody's haircuts that's kind of fun yeah <laughs> well and like it, it's it's cool because what you can do is if you have the dvd release like you have which has both deep throat one and deep throat two on it you put on deep throat one when you have a bunch of friends over you guys watch the movie you talk about it like you get into it and then the movie ends and then everyone's just continuing to hang out and then it just starts playing deep throat two and literally nobody pays attention to it yeah, because you're all just how, having conversations you yeah. maybe you're all fucking at that point like fingers crossed Ideally, you know the vibe's been laid out. out and then someone looks up and they're like what the fuck is this and then you go it's deep throat too you don't have to pay attention and then you shove their head back down <laughs> yeah great anyway. plan master plan but the people who fucking were behind the making of both these movies yes okay bad so dudes let's start in the beginning here so in our episode one Season one, the first episode of Five Talking. We talked a lot about Deep Throat, the film, you know? Mm -hmm. We got a lot of hot takes on, you know, the message of the film, the world building, the comedy, like just all the elements that made the film so good. That we barely talked about the behind the scenes at all. Yeah. You know? So now this Which is 
Which was intentional. But yeah, like there's so much to talk about with that. There just wasn't any room to talk about the extra stuff, which there's quite a lot. Yeah. Everybody involved in this thing is like fucking interesting. Okay. So we have Gerard Damiano, who, like you said, hairdresser. He's a family man. He was in the Navy for a while. And then like, you know, got his own salon after he got out. That was what he was doing. Well, Um, and I'll say, you know, he's a feminist. Yeah, he absolutely is. Yeah. Um, And so he never had any, like, aspirations of being a filmmaker, because I think he just didn't really even think, like, that's, like, a thing that you could just go do, you know? He's living in New York. He's like, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm a guy who makes films. Well, this was before he was making films. Like, it yeah. wasn't like, oh, when I was a kid, I dreamed I would be a director or something. Like, yeah. He, never, he just never, didn't even cross No, he was, he was an industry outsider. Uh, but he just always loved watching movies and talking about movies and thinking about it and whatever. So it ended up being kind of a random thing that some random dude, and he's like, hey, I have a friend who's making a movie and they need just, like, volunteers. And he's like, oh, that sounds interesting. Like, I've never done that, but I'll do it. And so he just starts volunteering on all these different little independent film projects, like doesn't know anything just like oh i'll learn it when i get there you know and at that point he was doing exploitation films and whatever you know and over time he volunteers and all these different things he's working on all this stuff he's starting to learn what he's doing and he ends up producing somebody's film and basically just gets money from like friends and family and he's like all right we're gonna make this happen they end up shooting this movie it doesn't become anything like they don't have enough footage it doesn't really make sense you know and so he's like fuck i gotta figure out how to like make this movie a thing he kind of rewrites it shoots different stuff pulls it together and it happens and he's like damn crushed it so then he starts doing some like documentaries like sexy documentary kind of things he did like a sex education sort of thing you know like we talked about that whole white coder thing a while back back when these films were not completely legal it was like you had to um be like, oh, it's an educational film. And so he would make these, like, documentary films. They would make these films that were like, oh, the, this couple doesn't know how to have sex, and so, like, a, a doctor's going to help them do that. You know, which is fun that that's what Deep Throat is, is, like, a spoof of that genre. And Damiano himself was involved in that genre, yeah. you know, for a while. He produces a film that his buddy makes. He figures out what he needs to add and kind of edit it and chop it together and and comes up with this new film here. And that was like his his intro. After he does that, he does a couple different documentaries and then he ends up getting a job with a softcore company because they had had kind of like an in-house guy making all these films and he started asking for too much money after the success of one of these things. And then basically Damiano was just like, I'll just like do it for like whatever like I just want to get in and be doing stuff he was just like eager to make shit so and and that kind of fucked him later with Deep Throat you know because he was kind of just like every time he would make something it was just like I want to make enough money on this to make another thing he wasn't trying to like be profitable successful like he just wanted to be making movies you know yeah he was he was all about doing the work and not so much about 
trying to get rich and not while even, doing it. And, and that was kind of an issue that he wasn't really thinking about the logistics. He wasn't really thinking about the finances. He wasn't really thinking about the contracts. He was yeah. just wanting to make the stuff. And Very so, much like living in the moment. Yeah, which I think is badass. Like, I think he really just had a pure love for filmmaking. I think he had stories that he wanted to tell and he was into it. So he um, is doing the softcore. He's also doing 8mm loops. And he gets... Uh, he ends up meeting he actually I loved he was talking about um, I listened to an interview with him with the Rialto report and they were talking about he's like you know one of the hardest things in the early days of my like filmmaking career was like finding actors which oh my god so fucking true like it's so hard like when you have a vision and then it's like okay like who's gonna do this and like who am I picturing and like if you're not well known, you know, it's like, how do you like sell an idea to someone that you don't know? And like, you don't have like this like body of work to like back up. Like, this is what I'm about. This is what my vibe is, you know? Yeah. So he was at, he's like, you know, in the beginning it was hard to find actors and you kind of just took who you could get. But like later on, actors were coming to me that's how because that was one of the questions the guy interviewing him was like how did you find people and he's like well at one point people started finding me you're awesome i want to be in your shit you know which is like badass i would like to get to that point at some point (laughs) yeah um well and we've i think we've talked about it a little bit um on previous episodes but you know you and i both have on camera on stage experience and it is it is a very different thing to go from being an actor to being someone who is performing in a sex scene. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really think about just the logistics and the psychology of it. Um, I was, I was just thinking more about this today, but the whole thing about cinema is cinema is providing us with this um, heightened representation of our own lives because we're, we're eternally fascinated by seeing reflections of ourselves. And that's what drama, that's what storytelling, all of that is about. But the, the, the thing about it is in order to make it real, in order to make it interesting, it has to be a heightened sense of reality. It has to be a dramatized version of reality because, you know, if you just, if you were to just record 24 straight hours of your daily life, it would be so fucking boring. Unless something extraordinary happened. And even still, the majority of that would be boring. It would just be, you know, the few moments in there. So cinema distills everything down. It makes everything to where it's a lot more interesting. You know, the conversations, instead of being like boring back and forth, it's like, you know, no, I am doing this for the benefit of, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. that sort of thing thing Mm -hmm. now when it comes to sex that's where it gets very specific and it reaches this whole other level because you know the whole thing about acting is being able to reach this like emotionally vulnerable state which most people cannot do but to go beyond that and to be able to be emotionally vulnerable but then also to not have like a lot of the normal hang-ups that everybody has when it comes to one getting naked two getting into these different sexual positions because that's ultimately the thing. If you ever like tried to film yourself having sex, you probably wouldn't enjoy watching it. You know, that's going to be true for the majority of people. So to one, be able to like deliver lines to where other people can actually enjoy hearing you deliver them. And then two, to then 
get people interested in watching you fuck, like that's a whole other level. And it's sort of the thing of like the reason why professional athletes get paid what they do is because most people on the planet can't do the things that they can do. Yeah. And so people that are acting in these films, you know, especially going back 50 years to where it was something that was not only not as prevalent as it is as it is now, there was legal liabilities to it. You could get arrested. Harry Reams got arrested for his participation in adult films. So yeah, finding actors, I think that's something that a lot of people overlook is how difficult it was, especially back then, to find people who are just like, yeah, like not only am I willing to fuck on camera, I look good fucking on camera. And if you need me to read lines, I can fucking read them because one, I'm literate. Two, I'm not fucking like methed out of my brain. So this comes to fruition for Damiano and Linda Lovelace and her piece of shit husband, Chuck Trainer, come in and we want a meeting with him. We want to be in a loop. We want to do this, you know, basically Linda Lovelace has kind of a crazy fucking life too. And there's like so much to say about that. Long story short, she ended up with a super crazy, super controlling, really abusive dude. Um, yeah, and and to go back to shouting out Rialto Report, they've got, I think it's at least a five-part series. It's an ongoing series. Talking about Chuck. Yeah, where they, they talk about, I think it's called like the sexual Svengali. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, just basically how he was like a master manipulator and... Um, that he controlled uh, Linda Lovelace. And it was to the point to where, like, the aftermath of Deep Throat and, like, the huge success that it was, she claimed a lot of stuff that is very difficult to verify. And just based on, you know, the things that you and I have read about it, it seems very much that it was her response to being, like, so controlled and manipulated by Chuck. And it kind of, like, infected everybody else. Whereas if you listen to the other cast talk about it, they're just like, yeah, no, like we were just like, hey, this is a fucked up situation, but what are we supposed to do about this? Yeah. So I listened to a really great interview. Also, Rialto Report. These guys are fucking killing it. The show's so good. Um, It was Gerard Damiano's son and um, a guy who wrote a biography about Linda Lovelace and like got to know her fairly well, you know, talked to her a lot. And so it was like both of them secondhand reports, you know, but it's like you guys are both kind of more knowledgeable about what was really going on or you've heard it or been around it or whatever. And so it's like, okay, what, let's try to figure out, you know, meet in the middle, like what happened here? Um, Because what did happen, I feel like we're jumping around a lot with this history too, but like, Essentially, Damiano gets funding for Deep Throat. So Linda and Chuck come in. She shows the Deep Throat technique. He's shook. He's like, I don't want this to be a loop. Like, this needs to be a fucking movie. Like, this is awesome. Like, you're amazing. And Damiano just adored Linda right off the bat. Like, thought she was so cute. He loved that she had, like, a unique look. Love that she was just like sweet and charming and like girl next door is what he said, and you, can, you know. Like, you can see that come through in a lot of the shots and deep throats. Yeah, he liked her a lot and was like, I want, I want to make you a star, like we're gonna have, but but really, more <laughs> actually, what he actually said was just like, 
you deserve to be like showcased and like, I'm really inspired by what you can do and like your vibe and your energy. And like, I'm going to write something about this. And so he like wrote that script like that weekend. He takes it to, um, the Perianos, Butchie, Lou Periano and his dad, they called him, just called him the old man, but it's these two gangsters. And Damiano doesn't like totally know that he's like, these guys are like shady businessmen. They may or may not be involved, but like, I'm not going to fucking ask, you know, he ends up getting $25,000 to make a feature film. And this was the first like hardcore feature narrative film that Damiano is doing and biggest budget, which that is really not a big budget, you know, cause he said oh, yeah. he, that the basically all the money went to paying for and developing the film stock. Like nobody made a lot, you know, on set, they were scrapping together their costumes and locations. They get to Florida to film and like none of the locations they were supposed to have are available. So they shot a lot of it at their hotel. They had to like scramble and find shit. Like it was kind of a chaotic process there. But the film ends up being this like enormous success that nobody anticipated. And so you brought up earlier Dolly Sharp, who played Helen, one of the other like leads of the film. She just like skipped town basically after the movie came out because she used to, and we, we actually talked about her more in our previous episode, but she was like on Broadway for a little bit. She went to Juilliard. She was the child. She was a child prodigy. Like she had all this stuff going on and just basically started to get a little too old to be a, a dancer like fucked up, but you know, but she wasn't getting cast in things. And so she ends up being like, you know what, whatever, like I'm a dancer, I'm in touch with my body. Like this is choreography. Like I can do this. I'm fine with this, you know, whatever. And, but she always kind of was trying to lay low. She wasn't trying to be in the scene. She wasn't really even friends with a lot of people on set. She was just doing her own thing, you know? And she certainly wasn't expecting to be in one of the most sensational films of the 1970s. Yeah, so that kind of fucked up her universe, you yeah. know? Um, Harry Reams, like you said, like, he went to, to court, like, and they pressed charges for, like, obscenity, and, like, they were trying to get him on distribution and all this other shit that, like, just wasn't even yeah, accurate. Yeah, I think Tennessee you know? was, like, where he had um, one of his cases. It was gnarly, and doing that really fucked him up, you know? And he ended and, up kind of... And, like, I think we talked about it in our original episode, but he made this movie for almost no money. Yeah. Like, he originally wasn't in the cast. I think he just came in and said, like, hey, I'll I'll do catering or costuming or whatever, and then just basically talked his way into his role as Dr. Young. And that was which a cool thing, the movie too. wouldn't... I don't think the movie would have been the hit that it was if he's not in that role. I completely agree. I think he absolutely carries the film yeah like he's so funny and so good i think the closest you could have got is like if john leslie played dr young but like they weren't getting john leslie yeah i I, you know what i do like john leslie a lot but i don't think he's lovable i don't think he's fun i think he plays such a good douchebag yeah (laughs) so i don't know he's a great asshole it would be a very different I guess a very different vibe of a film. Still probably good, but I, I, it wouldn't have been light in the same way. And I think that's what was so part of what made it so successful is it was just, you know, you laugh, you relax, you're watching it. Um, but, but yeah, isn't it like the only person who even came close to making any money off of the movie besides the Perianos was Linda. So Linda made 1200 bucks, which I guess oh, was... Wow. I thought she made like double that. No. 
that's all she made. Jesus. Which at the time, like, that was kind of the going rate. Like, Damiano didn't fuck her over. Like, it's like, that's how much actors in that film, in that time, like, would have made, but then you know? how much of that did Chuck Trainer take? Probably all of it. Yeah. You know? So that was the whole thing with them, is so they're doing this movie. Damiano knew right away, he's like, this guy is a creep. This is a weird dynamic. And when he was reflecting on it, he's like, I didn't really know what to make of it. Like, they were swingers. I thought it was kind of like a dom-sub type of thing, you know? Like, he's like, it was weird and uncomfortable, but, like, I thought they were just kind of freaky, you know? Like, well, then, he didn't really know. At the beginning, he didn't know the full extent of what was going on. And then he's seeing this relationship play out, and it's, like, to the point where, like, Linda is super uncomfortable on set, so, like, Damiano would send Chuck, oh, I need you to go develop this film. I need you to go pick this up. I need you to drop this off. Like, yeah. to get him away from her so that she could, like, relax. She says that he forced her to do the film. Damiano and Harry Reams and other said people... That- that Chuck forced her to do the film? Yeah. I mean, I obviously don't know, you know, everything that went on or what was going on. But my impression just from hearing all the different things that everybody's saying about it. And even this guy that wrote Linda's biography and talked to her about it. Like, because they kind of asked in that interview, they're like, what, what do you think is like the truth of this story? Because she did change her story a lot. Like, she was very pro-porn, like poster child of sexual liberation like right after deep throat comes out then Mm -hmm. she joins the anti-porn like feminist movement and then she kind of starts doing some like nude modeling for a while and then she's kind of like okay actually it was kind of chill but chuck was a piece of shit and then i you know just kind of kind of flip-flopping a little yeah well i mean a lot of it has the hallmarks of like someone who was abused and victimized yeah and she absolutely fucking was like there there are some people that believe that damiano and other people involved with the production victimized her but you know, from everything that, that you and I have read and learned about this, it seems very obvious that it was Chuck Trainer. Yeah, and Damiano's son talks about being there on the set, like, as a kid, like, staying at the hotel. And oh, wow. talks about hearing the abuse from Chuck and Linda, like, that they're fighting in the other room and, you know a lamp breaks and there's, you know, banging on the wall. And like, he tells a story about like the cast trying to bust down the door and break it up, wow. you know? And he remembers that from his childhood. And, um, the guy, I, I hate that. I don't remember his name, but the guy that wrote Linda's biography says, you know, he's like, I think, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And he felt from talking to her that like, cause he says she never said a bad word about Damiana. She never did. And like when they would run into each other, even during like the court case, which that was a whole fucked up thing too, because like Harry Reams is on trial and Linda is like testifying kind of against him. Like she's getting not like actively against him, but like she's getting immunity to talk about like, Oh, this stuff is kind of obscene. And like, so she's being a little bit shady too. And like Damiano's running into her and just kind of like jokingly being like, Oh, we got to stop meeting like this. You know, like even then, like he was always cool to her and like she, well, and I think you and I can both attest to the fact that actors are not going to be the most stable people Mm -hmm. from like an emotional and mental standpoint. And then it gets, you know, somewhat more magnified when you're dealing with working in adult features, especially back during a time to where there was a lot of like legal void and gray space. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, it's cool in New York City, but the second you step into the Bible Belt, like, 
we're going to nail your ass to the wall. What I kind of heard Damiano's son was talking about, he was saying that, like, because Linda regretted doing the film. And this Mm -hmm. biography guy was like, you know, I think she regretted it because it got so big and because it had a bigger effect than she thought it was going to. Um, I, it ended up coming out later and it's shit that she doesn't like to talk about, but like, you know, loops that she did that Chuck put her in that were like really humiliating and like, you know, other projects that they did. And like, then deep throat comes up and it's like, Oh, is that that chick that fucked a dog? You know? And like, there's some dark shit. He's horrible. And so she's getting, you know, all this traumatic shit from her past is coming up. That's a, kind of a separate story to what's happening in Deep Throat. But it's like, now that's all coming up. Now that's all coming together, you know. And she was treated with respect by Damiano and Harry and everybody on the set, you know. And this is a lot. I mean, honestly, like, everybody should just be listening to these interviews. Because they, I've, I'm not saying it as eloquently as all these people that actually know what the fuck was going on are saying yeah. it. Um, but it's trippy. And it's... My take on it is, and I understand this just from obviously not, you know, same wavelength, but like just from my own life and whatever, like, I think that she felt like it was hard to differentiate different parts of that chapter of her life. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, that was a dark time. And so now it's like anything that reminds me of that time any person that was a part of that chapter, you know? Cause like I have people in my life that like, I don't like to be around because they remind me of a time. It's not that that person did anything. It's not the, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. I don't, it's like, you don't want to f- live in a certain moment. And so then it's like anyone or anything that is a part of that. It's like, just like, nope. So I kind of get that. So I feel like maybe that is part of what was going on. And I also kind of feel like she felt like people weren't doing enough to help her because people did kind of know what was going on with Chuck. I don't know if everyone knew the full extent of what was going on, even though they knew he was like shitty. And I think that, abusive relationships are very complicated and a lot of times people on the outside can't really do much about it. I think that Gerard Damiano tried to make her make her environment as positive as possible, get him away as much as possible, but he's not necessarily going to be like trying to get them to separate or trying to, you know, cuz it's like that's kind of not Yeah. How's he mean, supposed you're, to you're really do that, you know? Making a movie and then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, okay." we're starting to see these signs that keep adding up to a point to where we can't ignore them, that there's something really bad going on, but it's also just like, what are we supposed to do in my personal life? You know, I've had situations to where my family members have been involved in bad relationships. And so in those cases, it's just like, Hey, I don't want this to happen to you because, you know, I care about you for very obvious reasons. But then if it's just like, oh, okay, you and I are working together on this thing and I'm starting to notice that there's bad shit going on. And it's just like the one thing that I know I can do is just kind of put my head down, focus on the things that, you know, I am definitely responsible for. 
and then just hope that the situation kind of resolves itself in the end. And, you know, there's also just a lot of examples to where when somebody has tried to step in in a bad situation like that, and then it's made the situation worse or it went bad for the person who was trying to step in and help. Because what ends up happening is like people that are caught up in abusive relationships, like one, they don't really recognize it. And then two, regardless of whether they realize it or not, they're going to have a defense mechanism kick in if somebody else tries to come in and say like, hey, you know, this needs to stop. And like this person's treating you bad. They're more likely to defend their abuser than they are to say, you know what? You're right. You know, in my in my own experience, like I had I worked with um, I worked with an acting coach who if you've ever seen the movie Whiplash, Mm -hmm. it was a situation very similar to that. To where it's somebody who is telling you that they're being as hard on you as they are because they are trying to bring out greatness in you. But then, like, once you get out of the situation, you're just like, oh, no, they were just really abusive. And once I came to that point of recognizing, like, okay, this is not healthy. This is very toxic. Um, I reached out to all my friends that were still involved. And I was like, hey, like, this person is... They're not good for you. And this is not a good situation. It's not healthy. You need to get out of this. And they refused. They wouldn't listen to me. And it came to a point to where some of them just stopped talking to me because I was trying to point this out and help them get out of the situation. And then the few of my friends who did get out of the situation, it was months later. And then they came to their own realization. And they're just like, I wish I would have listened to you when you said this to me. You know, because now I can look back and see, like, yeah, you were absolutely right about this. But in the fog of everything, dude, you are so head fucked that if somebody comes in and says, like, hey, actually, this building is burning and you need to get out. You're just like, no, the flames are coming from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong here. You need to get the fuck out. So it's it like that just seems like such a nightmare situation. And then on top of everything, like this little film that they set out to make, like they, Damiano certainly had no dreams that it would be as big as it was. Periano had no, no idea it was going to be yeah. as big as it was. And so then that's where that got crazy too, is so Damiano was like straight up afraid for his life. Like he's, cause when he got into this agreement. Like we laugh about it, was, but this is like a horrific like, situation. Seriously, like he was like, I'm about to get fucking whacked. So he, he had something, I, I want to say it was either him or Harry Reams that had a quote to where like they went back and they're like, hey, you know, I should be getting this much from you. And they're just like, oh, that's what you think? And then they're just kind of like, well, I could have asked for this or I could have got my legs broke. And I decided I didn't want to get my legs broke. So yeah, uh, that was Damiano and he... The agreement was that it was going to be a three-way split, and that was not what happened. He basically was going to get nothing, or he was going to get killed, and so he settled for $25,000, the amount that it cost to make the movie, and they paid him monthly installments of that amount. And this movie made $300 million. 
And they at most spent a hundred thousand dollars on it. They spent twenty five and then another twenty five for music. Twenty five to make it, twenty five for the soundtrack. But I think I think there was also some money that they spent on on both the distribution and the um, advertisement. Okay. I, so I think ultimately it added up to about a hundred thousand dollars. But yeah, that's in terms of return on investment. It's one of the most successful it's actually, films of all time. It is the most time. profitable film of all time. Yeah. Like, what came out versus what put in. Like, it is number Which, one. Which, because of that, that's why we got Deep Throat 2. And that's also part of the reason why Deep Throat 2 is a piece of shit. Because they literally were just like, look, we just need to cash in on this name recognition. Yeah, they burn the bridge with Damiano. He's out of the mix. He had yeah. nothing to do with it. They bring in some other guy to write it and direct it. Linda's, like, at that point, like, the fucking poster child of porn. And she's like, yeah, I'll do another movie. Let's fucking do this, you know? Harry Reams is like, okay, I'll do it. But, like, I need to get some, get some props here, you know? And did not. Um, he talks about it being a really tense, weird environment. And it was just kind of, the whole thing was kind of a shit show. In regards to there being no sex in the movie, there were all these, like, conspiracy theories that, like, somebody, like, stole the footage and that they did shoot hardcore, but then, like, that's been kind of debunked. Like, no, they actually didn't. No, I think it was the director, Joe Sarno, who came out and said that, no, we did not shoot hardcore scenes. That that story about that footage being stolen is absolutely untrue. So that just makes, like, no sense to me it's like why wouldn't they shoot the hardcore scenes if they wanted to do an r-rated release like why can't they just have like an uncut director's edition and an r-rated theatrical version i think it just came down to the actors probably were just like yeah no we don't want to dang yeah because i mean you can always fuck on your own time i guess but yeah, like that's the thing is like it's just who is this movie for? You take one of the most successful adult films of all well, the most successful adult film of all time. Like within the moment, it's the most successful adult film of all time. And you're just like, we're gonna make the sequel and we're gonna take out the sex. Because they're like always gonna make it more like more people will like it, more people will see it. That was the thing that was cool about Deep Throat is like people who didn't normally watch that kind of shit were watching yes, it because it was exactly. that good. You already crossed over. You already had that crossover success. So it's just like, just duplicate that. Like if you literally make the same movie, but you just put more production value into it, you know, there's a good chance you're not going to make 300 million on it and you're probably going to spend more to make it. But there's a good chance that you make a hundred million on it. You still make some money. Like you have diminishing returns, but the returns were so fucking huge. And instead, like that's the thing about this is I meant to look it up, but because Deep Throat Two is just nowhere near as successful, it's not a landmark or anything like that. It's just a thing that exists. So there's not as much information out there that's readily available. So I have no idea what this actually cost and what it made. Yeah, I couldn't find anything about this movie, like, behind-the-scenes trivia. Like, even in all the shit that I have read and listened to and know about, the you know, Deep Throat 1, like, there were very few references to the sequel. Yeah. Like... I mean, my guess is that this, this at the very best, broke even, if it made anything at all. 
I mean, just the fact that it's just a throw-in with the Deep Throat DVD kind of tells you everything that you need to know. Yeah. And then it's crazy, too, because there's four other Deep Throat sequels, including another Deep Throat 2, and basically none of them have anything to do with the original movie. None of them feature any of the original actors. Um, it's such a weird thing that porn does, because they also did this with with uh, Devil and Miss Jones. Mm-hmm. There was There's like a seven of them. sequels, and like three of them also feature Georgina Spelvin in some degree. Which that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. But yeah, it's it's sad because. It just, it was, the the original was such a runaway success, and it just seems like so much negative shit came out of it. Yeah. As opposed to it being something to where, like, you know, Harry Reams and Damiano and Georgina Spelvin, or I mean, Linda Lovelace, are such venerated characters. I think it took a long time to kind of get to that point to where it's just like, yeah, no, like, these people were, like, creative geniuses. They mm-hmm. They were, like incredibly talented but i don't think they got the credit and celebration they deserved at the time which is a very sad thing yeah and then also just knowing like the bad shit that linda went through just because of ongoing shit that was happening before this movie even came to be so fucking tragic tale i know all of it is really heavy that's kind of the thing and like ultimately like i you and i made a conscious decision very early on that we weren't going to try and focus too much on like the dark shit that kind of goes on with this industry just because there's a lot of it. Yeah. And also for me too, it's like, you know, yes, there's a certain vibe that we like to have, you know, but also like, I'm not a historian. Yeah. You know, like there are, we're never going to be able to do what Rialto report. does. No, and we're not trying to, we're doing something totally different. We're doing film critiques we're doing movie reviews you know and some of these little things are like interesting trivia to throw out oh yeah you know so-and-so said this on set and that was kind of crazy or you know whatever but like we don't have the same level of like nuanced reporting or like firsthand knowledge about like what was really going on we're talking about the vibes and we're really going for the good vibes yeah so the thing is is I think ultimately there's a sense that this, like this period of time, these movies are almost threatened by becoming lost media Mm -hmm. because some of the movies that we've tried to go back and find, they're difficult to find. Yeah. And so we're doing whatever we can to kind of help preserve these movies. But you know, part of that is just kind of giving people a reason to go back and watch this stuff. And if we sit here and like try to get into like, well, actually, there's a lot of bad shit that was going on, and this is really toxic, and and like that's going to discourage people from wanting to explore this. But you know, I think that whenever there is an opportunity to say like, hey, there's a lot of interesting shit going on behind the scenes, not all of it was good. That kind of adds a little bit more color and like covers the things that are interesting um but for the most part i don't think other movies have sort of the the overarching narrative to them that deep throat does i think deep throat has maybe the widest and longest of all the movies yeah i totally feel that don't watch deep throat 2 unless you're 
watching Deep Throat One at a party, and then you just let it continue to play, or you're just hanging out with your buds and you're having drinks and discussion, and you're not really paying attention to it. But definitely watch yeah, Deep Throat. Definitely watch Deep Throat One, like, and that's something we talked about in the beginning. You know, like, despite the controversy, despite some of the more fucked up shit that was going on, despite the way that it affected all of the key players in some negative ways. Like the message of that film is so bright and beautiful and powerful. And like watching that movie for the first time, not knowing about any of this shit, like just watching that film, like absolutely changed my life and like helped me for like the first time ever, like get on the journey of like feeling confident with myself and like connected to my body and like allowing myself to like feel vulnerable and intimate and like not have up all the walls that I've had forever, you know? Yeah. And like watching this movie, like kickstarted that, you know? So it had a huge effect on me. And like, I think what this film went out to say, like, regardless of what was going on behind the scenes, like the intention and the like deep throat is a feminist film. Absolutely. And like Damiana was saying some really like really important shit and really relatable shit and like taking a perspective that like not, a lot of other films did and not a lot of other films have even now, you know? So like, I think absolutely like his vision was there. And like, I think despite everything else, like he accomplished that. And like that film is what it is because of all those things. That's why I think it resonated with so many people. That's why it still has an effect right now, you know? So I 100% think that that movie deserves to be watched, like, as a movie, the way, like, it was intended to be viewed, you know? Yeah, and on that note, you know, um, one of the interesting aspects of it is knowing that this movie was part of just that time period to where porn was made with the intent to be a shared experience with other people. And we have directly experienced that, you know, again, 50 years later. Yeah. uh, Because we, we had, you know, not only our own experience, but we had a party where we invited a bunch of people over and the majority of them had never seen this movie. The majority of them had never watched a porno with other people present at the time. Because that's what porn has become. It's become such a like specialized, you know, uh, solo experience meant to help people masturbate and, you know, come. And these were movies to where that wasn't necessarily the focus. The focus was to get everyone sitting around and to experience eroticism, but together as a group, as one big mass. And when we had that experience, it was really fucking cool. Like, I've experienced a lot of different things in my life, and that was a unique experience for me when we had that happen. And, you know, I would love 
to continue to do that to where we get people together and we have a big screening of not just Deep Throat, but so many other movies. Like, I would love to get other people watching Sex World. Yes. Touch Me, you know, Star Virgin, Disco Lady. I think that would be so fucking rad. Boys in the Sand and... Oh, uh, Bijou. Bijou, yeah. Yes, Bijou. Getting people together to watch those movies because there's going to be that whole thing of just like, they don't make movies like this. They haven't made movies like this in a long time. So trying to wrap your head around like what the director was going for. But the fact that the director was going for something that still through decades still translates, still connects with people. And I think that's really cool. And if you would like for us to show up and do, you know, a live screening with a group of you and your friends and stuff, you can reach out to us vibe talking at gmail.com no g except for the gmail and talk to us about this i'm so but also, fucking down for that we are still waiting for someone to send us any kind of phone sex script for us to read we'll release it as its own little special mini episode um because that's something that's originated with sex world we want to do it we want to do a scene yeah. I feel like we're gonna have to be like Damiano and just be like, I'll just make the fucking movie that I want to make. Yeah, nobody's gonna send us a script. We're gonna have to write our own. You know what? If you fuckers don't want to come through for us, we're just gonna do it ourselves. All right? Yeah. We're bam throwing down the gauntlets. No, but also send us something. <laughs> yeah, but please do send us something because we'll do we'll still do yours. Worry, Unless it's, like, weird and it's got stuff about, like, trying to, like, hook up with your aunt, who also looks like your grandmother, <laughs> you know. But also you make, like, some weird government computer that predicts everybody's fantasies. Can you I don't know. Do, maybe if you do write that script? We'll do it. We'll do a better rendition of Deep Throat 2. I think you need to do the robot <laughs> voice and I'm going to do the Russian voice and it's going to be hot. It's going to be super hot. Yeah. I want to be... Um, the robot from uh, Star Virgin. Do it. Do it right now. Do it right now. Was Mentor. Mentor. Oh, yeah. The whole thing about people having um, sexual relationships was actually the devil was good at getting people horny and making them fuck. So here is a story about Dracula, who is also the devil. And I think I'm going to do the sexy Russian voice. I'm going to be coming in on the KGB and the KGB G. And I'm going to be getting up on that American dong. See, that's the that's the difference. Like, Rialto Report, like, do they, do, they do the smart shit. They're not doing funny voices for you. I can't remember people's names. I can't remember what year anything happened. I, I'm like the drunk history. I'm like, and then they were saying something like, yeah, that's like totally not chill, right? I can do the drunk history of porn. <laughs> Which is ironic because you don't drink. That's a shocking twist. But you know what? You guys can't tell, can you? I know. You I'm probably still think we're both fun. wasted right now. It's still that fun. Um, yeah, so. What else do we have to plug? So obviously we've got our Instagram, um, Vibe Talking, and there's also Good Vibe Cinema. Yes. All um, our Boogie Nights pictures are great, and I'm going to just keep... I'm going to stretch these. They're that good. <laughs> so just... <laughs> they're trickling out, okay? Dude, we, we sat there and we shot that... Uh, so Angels in Our Town, the fake movie within a movie of Boogie Nights, you actually... You made 
a eight eight millimeter short that inspired was for the <laughs> yeah that was inspired by it for the um, Straight Eight Film Festival, and it's called Coming Soon, um, a fake trailer shot on real film. And then we sat there and we went out. We did not do it with the eight millimeter camera. Um, but what's cool is there's filters out there that can make it look like it was shot in eight millimeter. But yeah, we went out, uh, directly across the street from the building that we're sitting in right now and, uh, shot a recreation of the little like karate shit that they do. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> and we had people driving by and like cat calling us and honking and stuff. But yeah, you can find that on our Instagram channel. Uh, you can also find it on our Twitter, twitter.com slash vibe talking. Yes, there is a Twitter. It went silent for a little bit, but uh, because Twitter has not completely collapsed like everyone expected it to, uh, we're still continuing to put content out there. There's also a TikTok, which is Good Vibe Cinema. And it perhaps is about to have some content. We were just talking about that. Yeah. So that's yeah. in the works. That's going to be cool. And then, of course, you can find our episodes on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, it's going to be on, I think it's on iHearts. Uh, Pandora is the one where we had, just for whatever reason. We're not on Pandora. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. We're not on the Spotify of, like, the fucking MySpace to Spotify's <laughs> Facebook. You know what? As long as we're on Spotify, that's all that fucking matters. No disrespect to all these other things. Which is sad. I don't really listen to Spotify, but I still, like, have my old Pandora account, and I listen to it all the time. Wow. Because I can fucking play it right off my so TV. So you can't listen to yourself, though. That's horrible. Dude, Spotify, I mean, Pandora is great for just having music to clean your house to fold clothes and shit like that because you don't have to think about it it just keeps playing stuff and yeah, yeah unfortunately though you cannot play our podcast on pandora as far as i know in order to fold your laundry to or pet your cats um right. and then uh yeah so we did the high desert uh fringe festival oh, about awesome. a month ago so fun. two months ago by the time you're hearing this episode um, and then you have some stuff coming up. I'm going to New York in September, doing the play again, and we are just continuing to add to it, and we're coming up with, like, a map of the town, and, like, so much lore and backstory, and it's awesome. So we're going to try to, as time continues to go on, like, come up with some, like, shorts and sketches and things that kind of are in that universe you know the adult film that i want to make five-year plan takes place in that town so we're coming up with backstory for that too right on oh so that's exciting yeah yeah and i've even i've even written a short story that's based within that universe i love that i love that so much is happening in this universe um and then um what else well there's frankie on film yes a new plug uh, that is actually, it's been like in pre, 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 pre production for like a fucking year and a half. But there's a lot of really interesting con- content that you've, you've already generated. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like it's going to be actually coming soon. All Hopefully right. we are shooting for a Halloween premiere and I think we're going to be shooting in August. Okay. So definitely if you want to get in on that and play some monsters. Yeah. That'd be awesome. And then also in the interim, uh, there's going to be the 24-hour film fest. Yes, 48-hour film fest. 48-hour. That's this weekend. 
I'm about to just bang out a rando movie, and I don't even know what it's going to be. So get ready for that. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> we'll see. It might be totally kick. It'll probably totally kick ass. You know what I want to do? I want to do a western. Yeah. But they like randomly assign you a genre, so like I may or may not get western. But I'm thinking because a lot of movies are more than one genre. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like if we end up with something else, maybe that could also be a western. I don't know if you've ever watched The Mandalorian, but that's a space western. Yeah, totally. So we'll see. We'll see. So, all right. Yeah, make sure you're tuned in and following stuff because there's a lot of great shit out there and even more great stuff to come. And, um, you know, one last thing that we'll ask of you is if you will please make sure to leave us a review on whatever, plat- whatever platform you listen to us on. Leave a review on multiple platforms if you can. That will be That'd really be helpful. Cool. Share us with your friends, family, coworkers, church members, whatever. You know, liven up their lives a little church. bit. That's cool. Like, listen to this cool podcast. What's it about? It's about old pornos. Definitely. I'm down. Any horny old men that you know, they would love this. Point this over there. Yeah. I mean, you can see it. It's on our Instagram. We are the number one podcast for weird uncles with an old Playboy collection. That was a good buzz. Yeah. (laughs) No, no source for that. The source is, dude, trust me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's it for me. All right. I feel like that's it. Love it. All right, keep deep throating, you guys. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 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 <laughs>